Hello, my lovely listeners. I'm Dr. Mary Barson. And I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. Welcome to this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. Good morning, my lovely friends. We have a special guest today. As you know, I often have a chat when Dr. Mary's not available and I have the most wonderful person to introduce to you. I think you'll find his messaging has so much goodness in it. And as well as that, he's the producer of multiple cookbooks. So today I'd love to welcome to the podcast, nutritionist Aaron Day. Welcome, Aaron. Fantastic. Luke, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, I mean, hopefully for anyone who's listening, they get some really good information out of this too. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think one of the reasons, like a lot of people, once you kind of see low carb and you get, you know, this amazing result, you know, you see people and they become like a zealot and want to talk about it all the time. And so I just made it my job, and I suspect you did too. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's hard to not see the results, and when the results do come in, you go, I need to tell everyone about this. <laughs> I know, I know. And, yeah, when your family gets sick of you, you then start a job, and it's kind of like now I get paid to tell my passion, so hooray. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Wonderful. So I would love it if you would share with our listeners your low-carb journey and your story and where you are, where you've been, and where you're going. Yeah, so I started off uh, using a ketogenic diet in a little bit of a different way to most people. Most people look to lose weight or maybe they're trying to improve health markers or lots of reasons. But I came into it from the um, cycling background. So I was uh, not a weekend warrior, but I was probably a weekend warrior, I guess, uh, on the bike and um, training for Three Peaks, which uh, was a, oh. a, 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 a not a race, but it's like a big event down in Melbourne. And training for that, going through the carbohydrate loading and all those sorts of things, I finished that event, amazing, got amazing results. And then I thought, what else is out there? And I was listening to a couple of different podcasts at the time, very early adopters who were bringing in this like high fat approach. And that was where I thought, well, maybe I can do this with endurance exercise. And uh, it turns out you can. So I ran a keto marathon. I've done lots of keto cycling and it was really good. But I, I found that after a while, I needed to bring back carbohydrates in a healthy way because I'd, I'd figured out, okay, this is, this is a healthy way of, of eating low carb, right? What does it look like when I bring back in carbs? Do I just bring back in the pizza and the pasta and the beer and the bread again? Or does that look different? And that was where I have also made a little bit of transition from going low carb and then bringing carbs back in and being able to modulate that in a way that's both healthy for your body, but also uh, for weight loss purposes, keeping that weight loss that you've worked so hard on for the rest of your life. Yeah, so that's, I I work with clients on on a daily basis. And um, yeah, it's just been fantastic to showcase not only a low carb diet to so many people, but also to uh, remove some of the carb phobia that tends to build up a lot in the space as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I've I've got so many things to blab out and I'm a blabber, but first thing I wanted to say was my husband is one of those cyclists, the mammal, the middle-aged man in Lycra, (laughs) uh, also does ridiculous riding up crazy hills. It's interesting. He certainly has reduced his carbs, but he's still not a complete convert yet. And I think... It's hard because I'm sure, as you see, in the athletic world, it's 
there's gels all over the place. Like it's complete pushing of gels and to, to buck the trend feels pretty hard. Yeah. So do you coach athletes through that process? If you had someone who really wanted to improve their endurance training, is that something that you would offer? Yeah, absolutely. I've worked with uh, athletes in the past. The majority of my clients are mostly weight loss based. Um, I do find that more people need to lose weight than perform well at <laughs> endurance cycling. <laughs> but yes, um, yes. I, I do think there's there's a time and a place for it. Definitely depends on the intensity of your activities. So if, like if you're racing, for instance, I probably wouldn't recommend a ketogenic diet. But if you are cycling or running to improve your health and you don't need to be the fastest person out there, then why not give low carb a go? Yeah, absolutely. And I think from memory, it's Peter Bruckner who talks often about training low and then increasing the carbs just before your race, if winning or improving your own personal time is important to you. Absolutely. Train low, race high. That's the... Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And you're, you're totally right. I mean, we had a one of our members on a, maybe like episode 15 or 16, and she's a marathon runner has always done running and the message I think behind that story of her coming was that and I know you've heard this that you can't out, outrun a bad diet so she was carb loading eating lots of gels and all of those sorts of stuff and probably still carrying 15 kilos despite running 50 kilometers frequently and it just so when people go oh, you just need to do more exercise what are your thoughts on that so it's an interesting concept because I think a lot of the people who do the carb loading and the gels don't have the knowledge of nutrition to be able to take it one step further. So a lot of elite endurance athletes often have sports nutritionists working with them, and I do think a lot of those, that carbohydrate makes sense for them. But if you are someone who is looking to improve their health, then that like relying on pizza and bread and rice and all those sorts of things to carb load uh, so that you can mm. more effectively. I think the bigger question is how can we improve your body composition so that you don't have to carry 15 kilos around the entire 42 kilometers with you <laughs> and you might be able to get a faster time there. Yes, absolutely. And that was what our runner did. She became low carb, uh, runs low carb, and, yeah, 15 kilos just fell off over you know, a little while, but yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. I love that. I love that you come at it from like a couple of different points and I, and you mentioned the all or nothing. So when people go, they become a bit scared of carbs. Can you tell us a bit more about, about your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. So when we go low carb, most of the time, we don't tend to think about nutrition too much. We just avoid all of the carbohydrate laden foods and all the processed foods and just try and stick to, you know, meat and eggs and green leafy vegetables and maybe some cruciferous vegetables in there and uh, avoiding the fruit and all those sorts of things. And naturally your body just loses weight, right? So you initially drop the water weight that your internal glycogen storage would carry. So you've dropped that water weight and then making weight loss after that is easier because you've essentially taken one of the macronutrient groups mostly out of your diet and you're also not fighting the cravings and the hunger and the roller coaster ride of carbohydrates that that can often make dieting really hard. So, but what tends to happen though is that people will lose a significant amount of weight on a ketogenic diet or a low carb diet, which is so good. And it only reinforces the fact that if they eat carbohydrates, they're going to gain weight. 
and that loop might start if you, maybe if you eat out and you've accidentally eaten more carbs than you've than you do at home and you jump on the scale and you've gained a kilo and you go well that just reinforces the fact that i should never ever eat carbs ever again <laughs> um so the way that i kind of think about it is that you can either get your energy from fat or from carbohydrates and you definitely can get a mix of both but you want to start moving away from having carbohydrates by themselves because that creates a big blood sugar response and the corresponding insulin and then you have the insulin resistance that builds up so that's just a bad cycle to be in losing weight in a low carb state is easy and i always recommend it for most people who are looking to lose significant amounts of weight because it just works and you don't have to really do too much apart from making sure that you're focusing on really good quality whole foods right but when you migrate back into what i call the real world where you know other people are eating carbs and so what does that look like in a healthy way that's where you can start saying okay well i need to optimize my diet for protein so whatever protein threshold you found that works well for you or if you're trying to support lean muscle mass or any of those types of things that's where protein's really important but then you can kind of decide whether you want to get the majority of your energy from fat or carbs and if you are adding some carbohydrates back into your diet then it would make sense to taper back some of those fats to keep you at that range where your metabolism is still firing and maybe doing that in a way or doing that with some help even can be really helpful uh, so bringing back things like potatoes and sweet potatoes beans you know whole grains fruit those types of foods in a way that you don't go and gain all the weight back you've built a healthy relationship back with those foods and obviously i think some of the processed carbohydrates sugar those types of foods probably need to stay out of a diet long term just to keep seeing the health benefits that we got from low carb but um yeah that's kind of my principles that's kind of been what's been working for most of my clients too yeah it's interesting like a lot of people so when i first started my own low carb journey i was probably very i mean i was very strict i was because i was a good dieter i had done years and years and years of dieting i knew how to diet i knew how to follow a plan very very strict and yeah lost the weight hooray and then interestingly a couple of things happened I have a thing that I kind of like it, which is a carb threshold. So everyone's level is different. And for some people, particularly introducing, depending on, on their, so again, there's the sort of the sweeter holics and the savoury holics. So I was a sweeter holic, sweet tooth, and completely identified with chocolate and all of that sort of stuff. So I kind of look and go, right, what what is going to be helpful to me? Is it helpful to me to have a big plate of low-carb brownies, for example? Even though they're low-carb, even though they might be wholeish foods, I have trouble regulating it because I keep going back to the fridge and go, oh, that was nice. Oh, I'll have another one of those. And before I know it, the whole plate's gone. And working out, so working out for each person what they have trouble regulating. So I know some of people have trouble regulating wine, for example. You know, I know you can buy low-carb wines, but if you drink a bottle of low-carb wine every night, that's not going to be helpful. If you can have a glass of low-carb wine three times a week and you just leave the bottle in the fridge, then big deal. So sometimes it's about knowing what is easy for you to regulate. So if having one, a small scoop of mashed potato, for example, on your plate doesn't lead you to go and then eat the whole tub of mashed potato, big deal. 
But if having one scoop means you go and you basically, you know, bowl over your kids to get the potato yourself, then it's probably not that helpful. Absolutely. Same with bread. You know, again, I've got a client or a patient since uh, that's what we tend to call them, and he can have a piece of sourdough every now and then and has type 2 diabetes. It does nothing to his blood sugars. But I know other people who have having one slice of sourdough where they would go back and get the next bit and they just keep chopping, you know, little bits, little bits until they've actually eaten the whole loaf. And then they get halfway through and go, oh, bugger it. I'll just finish it off and then it's done. I don't have to think about it. So, yeah, so I guess that's my thoughts on it. I think that it is wonderful if people can bring back some carbohydrates that then doesn't unravel them. But I think as I was saying to you before when we were chatting, there are people that are who, who you know, very proudly wear the badge of honour of never having a carrot or a potato, but then they're eating the biscuit or the Mars bar and it's like, you know what, you're probably better to have the carrot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think as well, you know, a lot of the times, um, uh, like I, I've got a website that's got lots of keto desserts on there and keto desserts are one of those like Franken foods that you can overindulge in and potentially just gain weight because of that and the reason why and i find that this is particularly helpful to think of is that foods that contain carbohydrates and fats but don't have much protein are probably foods you don't want to utilize a lot of and you know when i get my clients to bring back carbohydrates it's always part of a meal so it's not by itself and i think that's the big difference like if you're sitting there and you're saying, well, you know, Aaron said that I can eat some bread now, which is awesome, and you put some butter on it and some honey, and you're like, this is delicious. I can eat carbs now. I feel great. <laughs> That's a problem. <laughs> so yes. um, I think if you're adding it to meals, then with protein and fat, you're sort of delaying the gastric absorption from those carbohydrates, so they're not hitting your blood sugar level so hard. And you also need to find, as you were saying, those foods that you can regulate a little bit as well or if you're someone who is tracking macros for instance you might be able to find some room in those macronutrients that you can fit those foods in as long as they're part of a meal and it's still going to get you to your goals as well yeah wonderful and i totally love that because we do a little the same we we sort of talk about having your meals and really minimizing your snacking which is hard because again we've often been taught you know morning tea, afternoon tea, bit of a snack on the couch, so the six meals a day thing. So we eat when we're not really hungry. Dinner comes and we've just had afternoon tea, so we're actually not that hungry, but we eat because it's there. And so, yeah, ends up eating. we end up eating just more of everything than we need to. Absolutely. And also the nighttime snacking, I find that uh, for a lot of my clients, the window between after dinner and before they go to bed or after they put the kids to bed or however that, that works, eating in front of the TV mindlessly is a big problem too, regardless of whether it's low-carb snacks or or a bag of chips. They're both the same really. And that mindless just like eating, <laughs> it can be problematic too. Absolutely. In fact, do you have any tips for people on that? Because I know we're the same. It's a, it's a big, it's a huge problem. Yeah. For, for some people, yeah. So it's for some people, it is a lack of energy throughout the day. And so they may have skipped breakfast, so they might be doing intermittent fasting. They're just doing lunch and dinner, and they're just not eating enough, right? And so they get to after dinner, and they're like, I'm still hungry. And so they just go and raid the, the cupboard for pork rinds or <laughs> whatever it is. Um, so that's one camp. There is also the other camp where they might struggle with uh, emotional eating or cravings 
or even binge eating to a certain uh, respect. And that's where the mindset of this whole thing can really be more important. And I like to use the, uh, the analogy, like if you are standing in a house fire to heal yourself, you need to step out. You need to step out of that house fire to stop the emotional eating, to stop that. Uh, because a lot of the times people don't even realize they're doing it and not until afterwards or not until the next day where they feel disappointed and really upset and almost depressed in a way where they go, I can't believe I did that. Why am I so broken? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so weak. Yeah, so weak. and so yeah. like just stepping out of the house, stepping out of the kitchen, stepping away from that environment, stepping, turning the TV off, that's one of the first really good steps. And then there's a couple of other steps that I work with my clients on, you know, finding their emotions, like what are the emotions that they're currently dealing with, they always have options and then building in a bit of a plan so that we don't get that cycle happening again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I, I totally love that as well. We we only eat because we're either hungry or there's an emotion involved. The emotion sometimes boredom, but it's also that Pavlovian conditioning. So if you've always eaten on the couch, when you sit down on the couch and you don't have your snack, your brain goes, hang on what's going on here? Where's my snack? And it starts yelling at you and it feels really uncomfortable. So yeah, I love that. Change your environment. It can even be as simple as changing your actual seat on the couch. If you, your side table's on the other side, you've got a slightly different view of the telly and your brain goes, oh, I'm in a different place. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and also making peppermint tea is also a really good hack that I've found that works well for people too. Yes, yes, yes. We're obsessed with tea and particularly tea in a fancy cup. So yeah. it feels a bit special. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, if people are wanting to connect with you, so you're in Brisbane, yeah. which is great. Um, if people are wanting to connect with you and perhaps check out your website or your details or even come and get some one-to-one coaching, where can they find you? Yeah, cool. So I'm available everywhere in the internet. So if you type in fat for weight loss in Google, I should come up. I've got a website, so you can go there and find some delicious keto recipes. Uh, there's everything from main meals all the way through to keto desserts, which is great if you're just starting out with low carb and you need some of those like uh, transitional foods. And then if you're looking to maybe lose weight or if you're looking to improve your health using a low carb approach, or you really like the fact of me talking about bringing back carbs in, then you can get in contact with me either on the website or on Instagram if you're talking fat for weight loss or even on my YouTube channel where there's lots of meal plan examples. There's lots of example days of eating there's lots of you know just showing you how it works in a simple way because we love to talk about it and we love all these ideas but what does it actually look like on a plate that's what the youtube channel is all about oh wonderful absolutely i think the hearing about it and even reading about it but then watching somebody actually do it is fantastic brilliant fantastic all right well thank you so much for uh, joining me today Lovely listeners, I will be back next week, possibly with Dr. Mary, depends which order we put these in. But as always, I hope you're happy and healthy and have a wonderful day and we will see you soon. Bye for now. So my lovely listeners, that ends this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. And I'm Dr. Mary Barson. We're from Real Life Medicine. To contact us, please visit rlmedicine.com. And until next time, thanks thanks for for listening. listening. The information shared 
on the Real Health and Weight Loss podcast, including show notes and links, provides general information only. It is not a substitute, nor is it intended to provide individualized medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor can it be construed as such. Please consult your doctor for any medical concerns.